today uh, we do have a special guest, and uh, Reverend Leo Cunningham is a colleague of mine. And uh, I asked him a while ago if he'd be willing to preach, and uh, I asked him to kind of come in October because I figured we'd have, you know, whatever we did next figured out. It turns out we're still doing this, which is great, and he was willing to come and preach outside. Um, but uh, Leo, there's a little bio. I don't know if you knew this, but I, I copied from your website, so hopefully it's accurate. It's on your church's website, man. So I mean, if it's not, that's you got that's on you. But um, there's a little bio if you want to know a little bit who he is. You know, I met this pastor. Serves on the west side of Columbus. He's also on some committees. One of the things that we've talked a lot about is uh, his work around diversity and inclusion, um, and he serves on a role in our in our denomination in that regard, in our conference in that regard. Uh, today, though, he's going to continue our series in Genesis, and he'll share all of that. But would you? Uh, uh, just extend a special welcome to Pastor Cunningham. Feel like I'm a little overdressed. Well, thank you. Son of a Baptist minister, so I got to have to own at least one black suit. So I am here. Uh, our podcast, uh, Glenwood United Methodist Church, uh, just started. Uh, we pre-recorded service uh, this Sunday. And we'll give you just a few minutes to just talk to you briefly so you get used to the sound of my voice. It's good practice. I am a United Methodist elder. I have two master's degrees from Methodist Theological School. What is not on my bio on the church's page is I am currently working on my doctorate. Uh, so I am, the concentration is global Christian leadership in the urban context. AKA, how are you ecumenical in the city? Is what I've pretty much decided that is. I am a father of two wonderful children, uh, Amani and Alyssa, uh, both over 18. As we're joking about that fact earlier, uh, that they can be, <laughs> they're not adults yet. She, my daughter just graduated from uh, Darby High School. And so I'm like, ah, no, you're not grown. You can be charged as an adult, but you're not grown. And so uh, I, I am here. And it's interesting because we've got two things. Uh, uh, Pastor Joe and I have been talking about some of the initiatives that have been happening around uh, inclusion and diversity, uh, a lot of the events that have happened in the world of 2020, but also that you are doing a, a series on Genesis. Wait, where did he go? Where did he, there he is, okay. You're working on a series on Genesis as well as some of these other topics and issues. So I was like, I think I can find a way to combine these two things together to stay in Genesis, continue the series on dysfunctional families, and talk about, uh, if I had to give you a title, which I didn't, didn't send anyone, uh, would be Justice, Then Peace. Justice, Then Peace. With that being said, let's be an attitude of prayer. Oh, gracious God, we rejoice for the opportunity to gather on this Sunday morning. Uh, new faces and new spaces. Uh, we are outside in the midst of all of your creation. Uh, but here and now, I ask that you open up our hearts, our minds, and our spirits to all that you would have for us to experience this day. We ask this in your holy name and all of God's people said, amen. So somebody asked about how my mask matched my, my, uh, my pocket square. And I said, wait till you see my stole. Custom original creations uh, from a shiny object girl design located here in Columbus would be owner and proprietor Rebecca over there in the blue. 
she's part of our team over at, Gen at Glenwood, and, and she is a friend of mine. And she was like, yeah, if we're going to live stream, I don't have to work at the sound booth there. I'll come out with you. So I have got on a stole of many colors, which works, because I'm talking about Joseph today. Now, Joseph is going to be tricky because Joseph actually covers 15 chapters of Genesis. So this is going to be more of a synopsis because we're not going to be here all day. Contrary to what you may have heard about black preachers and black churches. I got 18 years in white churches. I am fluent in Caucasian. So humor, it's, it's disarming. So we, we, we give you some, over, some, some background on all of this. I want to make sure I got my chart right because there are lots of things that are happening here. And uh, I'm going to go, I'm going to quote uh, the great American poet KRS-One of Boogie Down Productions. Abraham was the father of Isaac. Isaac was the father of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, for real, and these were the children of Israel. It's from a song called Why Is That? So Abraham is married to Sarah. They have a son named Isaac. Isaac marries a woman named Rebekah. Isaac and Rebekah have a son named Jacob. Jacob falls in love with a woman named Rachel. Rachel's father decides, you can't marry my daughter unless you work for me for seven years. Fellas, that's a long time. Wedding shows up. She's all veiled up. I do's happen, pops the veil. It's not Rachel, it's Leah. Hold up. You're not the one I'm supposed to Uh, Laban, this wasn't, this is... Well, she's the oldest, she couldn't have her married off first with the youngest, so you gotta marry, you had to marry her. She's the oldest, she's the oldest daughter. She's gotta go first. Go. But I love Rachel. All right, I'll make you a deal. Work for me another seven years, and now you can marry Rachel. So so dysfunctional family. So now you have a man who has to work for 14 years to marry the woman he's really in love with, but for seven years he is married to her sister. Soap opera. Works those 14 years, marries Rachel. Now he is one man, two wives. Rachel can't have children, or she's having problems having children. Leah, on the other hand, pop, 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 pop. She's dropping kids fast. She has four, four sons. And all of a sudden, Rachel's like, oh, this is not good. So she's like, well, you can marry my first handmaiden. And he's like, okay. Guys, sometimes it's okay to say no. It's from the guy who's divorced. Um, so now two more kids show up with Rachel's servant, Bala. Boom. Leah goes, oh, no. You can marry my hand servant. Now we got two more kids who show up. Yikes. In the meantime, Leah gets pregnant again and has two more kids plus a daughter. So we talk about the 12 sons. There, there is a daughter here named Dinah in this story. So now you've got one man, four women, 10 sons, one daughter. Eventually, Rachel gets pregnant, gives birth to Joseph. 
So now, talk about dysfunction. Now, here is the son from the woman I wanted to marry in the first place has now finally shown up. The dynamics in that household must have been insane. Rachel gets pregnant again, dies during childbirth to a boy named Benjamin. So now you've got one man, three wives, one wife deceased, 12 sons, and one daughter. That's my sermon on dysfunction. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. And as time goes on, and they start to grow up, but Joseph is always doted on. Joseph is always held back while the other sons are out working. And it's causing some frustration. It is causing some tension. It is causing some stress among the siblings. And then Joseph gets this coat, this, 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 this multicolored coat. Then Joseph starts having these dreams. He starts having these, these, these visions. He starts seeing these things, and he starts sharing what they are. Be careful who you tell your dreams to, because they could be dream killers. It's another sermon for another time. They decide we're going to get rid of him. We can't take this anymore. They convince their dad to let, let, Joe, let Joseph come out with us. Let Joe come out with us. They come out with, Joe goes out with him. They decide we're going to rough him up. We're going to kill him. They're roughing him up. They're beating up their brother as the youngest of two. I can't imagine what it was like to have to fight off 10. They take him. They decide we can't kill him. So they toss him into a pit, a pit with no water. And this, in the midst of sermon research, messed me up. I was looking for Joe and he's gone again. <laughs> this, is, this, is a part, this is a part that messed, that messed me up in my sermon prep. Because you hear these stories growing up and you hear what? Joseph's brothers did what? Those of you who know the story. They sold him. They didn't. Brace yourselves because you, we all hear this story. They take him and throw him into a pit full of water. Inside of the, I mean, a pit with no water. They go off to eat. They're having dinner. And they're like, you know what? What good would it do us to kill our brother than have to hide his blood and we gain no profit from it? They're having dinner. They look off and they see a caravan of Ishmaelites. And they say, we should sell him to the Ishmaelites. Check the text. It says, when the Midianites came past the pit, they pulled Joseph from it, and the Midianites sold him to the Ishmaelites. Reuben returns, looks into the pit, and realizes his brother is not there. Goes back and says, what are we going to do? He's not there. Then they realize, let's just take the coat, the cloak, we'll cover it in blood and tell dad an animal ate him. They have no idea what has happened to their brother. I've heard this story. I'm a PK. I've heard this story. In my head, I'm picturing that Reuben has sold him off to the Ishmaelites. No, they have no idea what happened to their brother. The Ishmaelites are their cousins. What? How? Abraham, 
married to Sarah. Sarah, infertility issue, says, you can marry my handmaiden, Hagar. Hagar has a son. This son's name is Ishmael. Eventually, Hagar and Ishmael are, are sent off. God makes a promise to Hagar that says, you've done nothing wrong. Your son will be the leader of a mighty nation, but he will be in constant conflict with his brother and his brother's children. Well, these are Isaac's descendants. So they essentially sold their brother to their cousins, or that was the plan, because the Midianites step in between. So now you've got Joseph, who has now been sold into slavery. The Ishmaelites take him, they sell him to the Egyptians. So now you have an individual in a foreign land, foreign language, foreign culture, food, clothing he does not know and or understand. He's forced to work for a man named Potiphar. Now apparently, Joseph is a good looking guy. Potiphar's wife tries to seduce Joseph. She tries to sleep with Joseph. Joseph refused, he takes off, she's got part of his cloak, his clothing there. Potiphar comes home, says, your servant tried to sexually assault me. And Joseph is like, no, I didn't. She's like, here, I've got the evidence. Here's a piece of cloth. Potiphar's like, I could kill you. I'm going to throw you into jail. So now you have a slave who's been accused of sexual misconduct by his master's wife. Some countries, they lynch you for that. Because after all, he is a slave from another land and the Mediterranean's most powerful empire. So now, Joseph has caught a case. It's language we use in certain parts of town. Now, Joseph's caught a case. He's in jail with everybody else. Man, I ain't do nothing. It wasn't me. I ain't commit no crimes. And the other inmates are like, yeah, right. Inmates start having dreams. Joseph is able to start interpreting these dreams. And I know at some point you're going to get more sermons on Joseph, so I'm just going to do the large picture. And he's like, yeah, I can, let me tell you what those dreams mean. Let me tell you what those dreams mean. You both are going to get out. Woo, you got parole. Yay. Yeah, but you're going to die. <laughs> what? Yeah, you're, you, you're going to, you're both going to get out of jail, get government jobs, which is interesting because apparently Egypt hires felons. And nothing wrong with that because felons deserve a chance to. He's like, yeah, but you know, you're going to get killed at your job. What? Yeah. They get out, comes to pass. One guy, done. Other guy's still working. Now Pharaoh starts having these dreams that are, make no sense to him. Pharaoh's running to all of his individuals. Pharaoh's running to all of his people. What do they mean? What do they mean? What do they mean? Nobody knows. Meantime, one of the guys is like, you know what? There was this dude when I was in jail who was really good at explaining dreams. Well, where is he? Um, I think he's still in jail. Pharaoh's like, well, go get him. He shows up. He's like, all right, Pharaoh, tell me about these dreams. He's telling these dreams about, you know, animals eating other animals, sets of seven. You know, the fat ones are eating the skinny ones. The crops, they're healthy crops, and they're sick crops, and the sick crops are being eaten. What does it all mean? Joseph's like, that's easy. Okay, you're going to have seven good years. You're going to have seven bad years. You best be ready for them. What? Seven bad years? Yeah, but you got seven good years. Start stockpiling things, start saving things. You know, so Pharaoh is like, okay, um, how about you be in charge of that? What? Yeah, it's your idea. You be in charge of it. You take care of this. You handle this stuff. Oh, okay. So Joseph starts 
becoming in charge of stockpiling national resources. Start making sure that there's enough things for when these seven bad years are coming. And in the meantime, Joseph has now learned a new language. He has learned a new culture. He is doing things that what some people would assume were not naturally a part of where he was from and who he is. He, uh, he assimilated. Famine hits, as predicted, boom. No one in the region's got food. Nobody has resources. Nobody has jobs. So what does the government decide to do? We're going to feed the people. We're going to give y'all some grain stimulus packages so you do not starve. Because we made sure we had enough money and enough resources for everybody, thanks to Joseph. Famine extends throughout the, the region. It hits the land of Canaan, where the brothers are at, Joseph's brothers. They hear that, hey, you can buy, you can get grain from Egypt. You got to pay for it, but at least they've got some. So the 10 of them get the money together. They talk to their father. Jacob's like, yes, go. Go get grain so no one starves. Because mind you, in the meantime, the brothers have all gotten married. They've got children. They stop. They go out. They've got this stuff. They head into Egypt. And Joseph sees them. Now, they don't recognize Joseph because Joseph looks a little different. Years have passed. They don't recognize their brother, but their brother recognizes them. Because after all, <laughs> you beat me up and threw me in a ditch. I'm going to remember you. And he decides that he's going to mess with them. You see, because Joseph doesn't have any peace. Even though he's got this prestige, he's got this job, he's got this fame, he's got these resources, he is second powerful man in Egypt. He doesn't have any peace. And it shows up when he sees his brothers. And he creates this, this plan and this plot. You guys are, you know, you guys come and hang out. Maybe you're spies. No, we're not spies. Well, okay. Here, how about this? We'll, you know, we'll, we'll give you some grain and we'll give you some you pay for it, and we'll just we'll sit and we'll talk. Now, Joseph is talking through an interpreter, so they have no reason to understand that when they're talking in their own language, Joseph understands it. They're not quite sure about what to do. See, sometimes when you think you're talking in other languages, sometimes people understand those. Sometimes you're not being slick. There's no Google Translate. And so he, he decides, you know, hey, um, let's send you back. They're heading back, and they stop, and they check their bags, and they realize that they've got all the money that they should have had from when they paid. Because Joseph was like, look, when you give him the grain, put the money back in the bag and give him a little bit of extra as well. They're like, okay, did what Joseph asked. They go out. They're pursued. They're like, hey, you know, we're going to come back because we've got more money than we should have. So we want to pay you accordingly for what we, what we have here because we should have, we paid, right? We paid, right? We got extra money. And Joseph is like, well, maybe your God must like you. Another fun fact, at no point in any of this does God actively tell Joseph to do anything. Go back and look at those 15 chapters. God is at work, but God is not an active participant. Writer, director, producer did not star in this part of the story. Also, does not show up in the book of Esther. Bible trivia for guys' night. 
And, you know, he was like, you know what? Um, I don't know if I can fully trust you. Maybe you guys are spies. No, no, we're not, we're not, we're not, okay? This is what we'll do. We have when you stay here with me, if you are who you say you are, if, you, if you're as honest as you say you are. Well, we're honest, we're honest, you know, we swear on our father's life and we swear on our, on our brother's life. Oh, your brother, huh? Well, yeah, he, he's our youngest brother. You know, we, we lost one brother, we kept the youngest one behind, it's just the 10 of us. Joseph knows some math in his head. He's like, well, you know what, one of you's gonna stay here. If you're really honest, bring your little brother back. They freak out. We can't bring Benjamin because we saw what happened to dad when we had to go back and tell him that Joseph got killed by wild animals. The brothers don't have any peace. They've had to watch their father grieve the death of the woman they all know he truly loved first. I'm not saying he didn't love, we don't have the context of how much he loved the other three women, but they know Rachel was special. We watched our father become a widower. We watched him grieve the death of a child. I don't know your context, but if any of you have ever lost a child, that is, I'm told, an unimaginable pain. I've pastored people who have lost children. It's an unimaginable pain. They were like, we can't do this to dad again. But we've got to go and get Benjamin to prove so we can have the other brother come out. They go back home. They're like, Dad, this is the situation. Um, we lost another brother. I don't know why he would let his sons go out anywhere in large groups because apparently they can't keep track of each other. The dad does not have peace. And he talks about this. If you do not come back with Benjamin, he talks about the torment that will be in his soul. If you don't come back with Benjamin, they go, they convince him, they go with Benjamin. Like I said, why would you? They keep losing brothers on road trips. And they go, and the Benjamin shows up, and Joseph sees his little brother, and Joseph is watching his little brother. They're having a feast. They're eating. They're drinking. He's like, okay, here's some grain. Here's the brother feed. You guys can go back home. You're honest people. Hey, by the way, take my silver cup, stick it in the, the little kid's bag or the youngest bag while they're not paying attention. Take the favorite cup, slip it in the bag. Everybody's leaving. He gives, lets them have a head start. This is a person who is not at peace. This is a conniving man. He's like, go out and get them. And when you get them, tell them that you think that you stole. So Joseph sends his personal guards, which isn't bad. He went from being a prisoner to having his own small, you know, entourage, his posse. Sends them out, grabs them, brings them back. And he's like, yo, wait a minute. What's the problem? Why are you guys, officer? Is there a problem? We think you stole something. Really? Yes, we think you've got our number two's favorite silver cup. No, 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 they wouldn't, no, what, no, we wouldn't have, why would you have stolen from him? He's been great, he's fed us, we gave us more grain, we keep coming back with more money than we had, apparently God likes us, which I think is funny, they're like, oh, God bust us. You're like, no, 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 everybody's coming back. And they're like, okay, what's the deal? Said, Somebody stole. They're like, this is the deal, Joseph tells them, whoever, has got my cup, everybody stays. You're all gonna go to jail. No, better yet, how about we do this? Whoever has the cup stays, the rest of you can leave. And they're like, no, no, we didn't do anything. If, we, if one of us has your cup, you can keep all 10 of us behind as slaves. Joseph goes, no, I just need the one who's got my cup. I want, I want the person accountable who committed the crime. Because Joseph knows what it feels like to go to jail for a crime he did not commit. So they go through the bags, boom, 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 boom. Benjamin's got her. He was like, you're the thief. You're staying here. The brothers freak out. The brothers freak out. 
they were like, you can't. You, you can't have him stay. He, he is our father's youngest son. We already lost him. You, he, he can't stay. We will stay behind. One of us will stay. We'll all stay. Just, we'll all stay. Just send him back home. Joseph has a change. Joseph has everyone leave. All the Egyptians leave. Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. We're not told how. I'm assuming it's a linguistics thing. He starts speaking their language. Then all of a sudden, in the midst of that language being spoken, the brothers realize it is their brother. Joseph is crying. They're crying. Why? Because nobody had any peace. Why? Because nobody had any justice. Joseph was torn up. See, that Hebrew word peace, it's about being whole, about being connected, about not being broken, about not lacking. Joseph was lacking. He had no justice. He had gone to jail for a crime he did not commit. He was in a land that was not his own, speaking a language that was not his. He had been isolated from his family. He had been cut off. He was not at peace. He might have had big house, lots of money, fancy chariot, own personal army. Only person he answers to is Pharaoh, but Joseph is not at peace because he's had no justice. His brothers don't have peace because they know they've done an injustice in the midst of their pride, their arrogance, their frustration, their dysfunctional family. They are not at peace because in the midst of thinking about themselves, they were not thinking about their father. They did not realize, oh, we got rid of Joseph, but did not realize what that was going to do to their dad. So the brothers don't have any peace because they are, they've committed an injustice. Jacob has no peace because now he is so upset that he, he's lost Joseph. He's lost Rachel. He's had lots of things go wrong in his life. He doesn't have any peace because he feels like there's been an injustice committed to him. Why is this happening to me? You see, justice has to come first, then peace. Joseph has to make a reconciliation with his brothers. His brothers have to reconcile themselves back to Joseph, even upon Jacob's death, because he's like, everything's great, everything's good, we got money, go get dad. I talked to Pharaoh, go get dad, go get your wives, go get your kids. We got a place we can settle in called Goshen that's going to be ours. Everything is good. But even they go, they load up a bunch of gold, a bunch of resources. They take these wagons to go see Jacob. Jacob is like, what? Yeah, uh, Dad, Joseph is alive. Um, he's in Egypt. Because remember, they don't know. They didn't know what happened to him because of the Midians getting a hold of him first. Guess what? Your little boy's done good. I'm hanging out in Egypt and they ain't got hoods. Yes, I just quoted Tupac. Um, some of you recognize that. That's cool. The Boogie Down Productions, I caught that one. So, And so they're going into this, this, this wonderful relationship into Egypt. Everyone's going to be able to find some peace because justice is finally happening. Reconciliation, reconciliation is still happening, but the brothers still have a little bit of guilt. Because even upon, read the book, even upon Jacob's death, 
they were like, well, no, now that dad's gone, what's to keep him from turning on us? That would be Michael Colleone, Godfather 2. Because he was like, yeah, as long as, as long as mama, as long as every, as long as, you know, mama's alive, I'm not going to touch Fredo. Mama died and Fredo was done. So they go to Jake, they go to Joseph and say, hey, you know, are, you know, are, have you forgiven us? Dad wanted to make sure you had forgiven us. He's like, yeah, I've forgiven you. We're all here now. We're all family again. We're all at peace. We're even at peace with the Egyptians. I'm a free man now. I'm free. We're living here in Egypt. There is lots of peace. You can't have peace until there is first justice. Because to ask for peace before there is justice is simply asking for silence. Just be quiet. Don't talk about it. Don't bring it up. And this is a family that had this dysfunction happening for years because the brothers had to keep the secret. All of this dysfunction happening. But when there was justice, when there was peace, when there was wholeness, when there was proof positive that there were enough resources for Egyptian and Hebrew, everybody got along. But then something happened. Joseph dies. Pharaoh dies. And a new Pharaoh comes to power who does not know his collective history, does not understand that these people who were once slaves built your nation, built your empire, created everything that you have, and decided to enslave them. And then all of a sudden, there's no justice. And all of a sudden, there's no peace. And that brings you into Exodus. And I left out a whole lot because there's 15 chapters there for Joseph. So your so what is this? Families are dysfunctional. Figure out a way to work on those. As a human species, because is there one thing that's come to my attention in the midst of 2020, we are a collective species. We've got to figure out a way to have peace. But that means first we've got to have justice. Not revenge, not retaliation, justice. Because once there's justice, then there's peace. And eventually Joseph found his peace because he got his justice. The brothers found their internal peace because there was justice, because they had committed an injustice. The father found his peace because there was a, a justice, a wrong had been right, had been corrected, and even Egypt found its peace. Because an enslaved man, wrongly convicted, saved everyone. Everybody's at peace. But the moment the powers that be decided we're going to start denying people justice, we're going to enslave the people in Goshen, and they keep multiplying, they keep becoming stronger, they've learned our language, our culture, but yet maintain their own, we're just going to keep adding more and more pressure. We'll keep denying more and more justice from these people. And eventually God said, nope, there will be peace for these people wronged because justice will show up. But that's another sermon for another time. 
and all of God's people said, amen.